The power of voting is the cornerstone of democracy, serving as a fundamental mechanism through which citizens participate in shaping their societies. At its core, voting empowers individuals to have a say in the decision-making process, enabling them to express their preferences and hold their elected representatives accountable. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, our guest is Andrea Zapata. We talk about the importance of voting and how every vote counts. Super Tuesday, or Election Day, is March 5th. To avoid the long lines on Election Day, you can vote early up until March 1st. Whether you vote early or vote on Election Day, the important thing is to vote. However, the power of voting is not without its challenges. Voter suppression, electoral fraud, and disenfranchisement continue to undermine the integrity of elections and limit access to the ballot box for certain communities. Addressing these barriers requires ongoing efforts to protect voting rights, expand access to voting, and to ensure the integrity and fairness of the electoral process. The power of your vote cannot be overstated. It is the foundation of democracy. It enables citizens to participate actively in the governance of their societies, advocate for their interests, and to hold elected leaders accountable. By exercising the right to vote, individuals not only shape the course of history, but also reaffirm their commitment to the principles of freedom, equality, and justice. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Super Tuesday. Yes, you heard me right, Super Tuesday. You may be wondering, what the heck is Super Tuesday, JR? And to help answer that question, we our guest today is Andrea Zapera, and she is an um, attorney, attorney by trade, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Super Tuesday and the importance of it. Andrea, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, JR. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you for, for being here. So we're talking Super Tuesday. What is Super Tuesday? Super Tuesday is the day that most the most states have their primary elections. And that's going to be March 5th, 2024. And on that day, 15 states will be holding their primary elections in both the Democratic and Republican primaries. Texas, of course, being one of them. So Super Tuesday is Election Day. And... Um, as Andrea said, that is when the major not the majority, but most states around the country actually vote in the primary. It is a it is an election year. It's a presidential election year, and statistics will show during presidential election years more people come out to vote than any other elections. Andrea, wh- why is that? Do you, is there any rhyme or reason? I mean, in my opinion, people should v- vote in every election, but some people don't. They just kind of only vote on the big ones. I agree wholeheartedly. They should vote in every election, but a lot of the things that drive someone to the polls to go vote are the elections at the top of the ballot, like the president. And so a lot of people make sure that they turn out are a little more focused on the election when something like a presidential election um, is at issue. And, you know, sometimes fewer people go out when it's the governor that's up for election or city elections. Or bond elections. 
or bond elections, unfortunately. <sighs> those can be boring. I'm sorry, but those can be boring. Just reading them is a chore. Um, so presidential elections are coming up this year, but let's backtrack. Before the presidential elections, we have to have primaries. And a primary is primarily set to who is going to be the candidate from the designated party. So who's going to be the Republican nominee, who's going to be the Democratic nominee, um, and the primaries are held for those parties to have elections within their own party to decide who goes uh, up. Now, in the case of the Democratic Party, we have uh, President Joe Biden is probably the uh, going to be the shoe-in because he's whole, I mean, historically, that's the way it usually works. If if it's an incumbent, that's going to be the nomination. No, the Republican Party um, is still having to, is going through some stuff, and they're going through a lot of stuff over there. That we'll see how all that pans out. But let's not talk about the presidential stuff. Let's talk about a little bit more locally and down ballot. Down ballot is important. When I'm talking about down ballot, I'm talking about those other offices that aren't necessarily the presidential or high ones, but those offices that make a difference in everybody's life that are down ballot. Somebody once said, the further down the ballot a person is, the more effect they're going to have on your life and your and your and your. Uh, your quality of life. So those are important. Can can you talk a little bit about down ballot and some of the positions that are on the down ballot and why it is important to get out there and not only vote in the primary, but especially pay attention to those down ballot candidates? Sure. And you're absolutely right. The further you go down the ballot, I like to think of it as that's closer to your door. That's closer to your house. So those are going to be like your county commissioners. Those are going to be your judges and district courts. Even a little bit higher up, you're going to have uh, your judges and appellate courts, your state representatives, your state senators. All The further you go down, the closer that's going to be to your neighborhood. Um, this year in Harris County, the district attorney is also up for election. So all of those positions have so much impact on how your city is run, how, you know, crimes are prosecuted in your county, how, you know, legislation in your state gets made. All of those things are going to make a huge impact. So um, I, for instance, am running for a civil district court bench. And, you know, that position would preside over civil cases that are assigned to it. So if you know you or your neighbor or your friend has a lawsuit in your county, it would end up in front of a bench like the one I'm running for. Okay. Um, when we're talking, I find it interesting. Texas is what one of the few states that actually elects judges where the majority of other states actually have them appointed. Is there any rhyme or reason for that that you're aware of? So I like to think that when your judges are elected, then they have more accountability to the voters. If judges are appointed, they're typically appointed by a pretty small group of people, and usually the governor of the state is involved. When you have such a huge and diverse group of people like you do in Texas, you know, having a small group of people decide who all of the judges are um, doesn't necessarily always result in the judges reflecting the communities they're coming from. 
if you elect your judges on the district appellate and even the Texas Supreme Court or Court of Criminal Appeals level, then you're more likely to get people on those benches who are from the communities and reflect the communities that they're coming from. And ultimately, they represent the communities um, and the community's ideals. So, and they, and then also when you're having judges elected, then they're accountable to the voters. So when, you know, after however many years that they're on the bench, um, the term for district court benches uh, is four years. So if after four years, a judge is doing a great job, then the, then the voters have a choice. Oh yeah, let's definitely keep this person in there. And if the judge is not doing a great job, then, you know, if that gets reported, you know, widely, then the voters can say, hey, what you did on the bench is not okay. It's time for you to go. Right. Okay. Well, I just find it kind of curious that, you know, Texas still still elects, uh, but that makes sense. That makes sense. And this is true with, with every office. I mean, anybody that's elected has the opportunity to stay in office if reelected, but they also have the opportunity uh, to be fired by the electorate if, in fact, they're not doing a good job or if somebody comes along, they can maybe do the job better. So Super Tuesday, Election Day, important to um, vote. Of course, as everybody should know, you need to be at least 18 years of age to vote and a U.S. citizen. And if you're if you're out there and you're 18 and you're a U.S. citizen and you don't have any felonies, uh, been charged with any felonies, and if you're not registered to vote, I'm going, why not? Why not? It's a simple process. Andrea, can you can you kind of go through what it takes to, for somebody to become registered to vote for those who may be listening that are not registered? So it's easier than ever to get registered to vote now. Um, I believe this is still in effect. When you go get a driver's license, you have the option to sign up to register to vote during that process. They're collecting a bunch of you know demographic information on you anyway, like your name and your address. That's the same information that they would need. Um, to register you to vote. So that's an automatic or kind of like an automatic process. You can also go to, um, I believe, vote.texas.gov to look up whether you're registered and where you're registered, because it's not always easy to keep your voter's registration or people don't realize that they need to make sure that their voter's registration is updated every time they move. Uh, So you can look up that information there and you can look up what the eligibility requirements are, it's a pretty simple, straightforward form that you can fill out and you can get it done that way. There's also in every county, there's a voter registrar um, and regular citizens can become dep- uh, volunteer deputy voter registrars. So if you know someone, a lot of precinct chairs tend to be voter registrars. Uh, if you know someone who is a volunteer deputy voter registrar, you can get the form from them. They can fill it out and sign it and send it in for you, and you get your voter registration card. Uh, in Harris County, there's also uh, harrisvotes.com, and there's some information to get specifically registered in Harris County there as well. It's a very, very easy, very straightforward process. And regardless of what county you're in in Texas, I hope in whatever state uh, that people are in that they have a similar, uh, pretty straightforward, easy process to get registered if they can. Okay. You've made several references throughout the podcast of Harris County. For those who may not be aware, that is where Houston, Texas is. And it's interesting, Harris County, well, actually the city of Houston is actually larger than some states in the uh, in the continental U.S. So you definitely have a large population, a very uh, diverse population there in Harris County. 
and um, the importance of voting there in Harris County. One of the things, Andrea, that totally fascinates me is the amount of money that is spent every year on elections. I mean, that's an industry within itself. Millions and millions and millions of dollars are being being spent um, on races, on advertising, on TV campaigns, on door flyers, on campaign workers, on events, just to get somebody elected. And many times they spend, you know, 10, 20 times, they'll spend over 10 times the amount on an election than they'll ever get paid. So a lot of people are, are depending on campaign contributions, donating to the cause. That is... To me, it's kind of a organized form of insanity of all the money is actually spent when that money maybe can be spent on something different, but that just seems to be the way it's been, the way it's going to be, and I don't see any type of changes coming anytime soon. Do you? Not for regulating the amount of money that can be in political elections, but I think the amount of money that a candidate raises doesn't necessarily guarantee that they're going to win. So regardless of how much money a candidate raises, their name's on the ballot, just like a candidate that raises 10 times as much. So a lot of it's about getting out in the community, meeting people, talking about what matters, you know, to the candidate. And, you know, there's also an endorsement process and those kinds of things that also have huge influences on the outcome of an election. But I agree, there's so much money in political races. And I think the reason for that is because they're so important. Every, you, you know, a lot of people don't realize how many decisions our elected officials make for us in every level of government, from your municipal level, your you know, city, county level, state level, you have people making decisions about how every single dollar you pay in taxes is spent. You have people making decisions about, you know, lawsuits in cases. They make decisions on, you know, your DA is making decisions who to prosecute. Your criminal judges are making decisions about what evidence is let into people's criminal trials, whether people are let out on bond. If the DA's office makes a recommendation, you have people legislating at the state levels on women's health access and reproductive health access and, you know, other, you know, criminal and civil statutes because it matters so much. People that realize that put money into these political campaigns. They put money into the political campaigns Mm -hmm. and try to support people who are of like mind or, I mean, let's be realistic. I mean, a lot of it is special interest. It's special interest trying to influence politicians to vote their way so their product or their service can stay in the forefront or keep those government contracts or or, or to stay in good light where they don't start regulating them to death. Um, so it's an interesting exactly. game. It, it's, it's an interesting game. Um, some people go, well, I hate politics. I go, well, you know what? You get three people together and you have politics. And uh, business is politics and politics is about business. So they're closely related. So each year in the state, every other year in the state legislature, when they come together, it is just a a beehive of activity and special interests and people trying to get things through and, and put new laws into effect. But also there's a large effort that goes into keeping bad laws from going into effect. And right now, sad to say that the state of Texas is facing some, what I consider, uh, bad laws. Um, 
SB4, some of the stuff, some of the whole things with, with um, well, I would never, in my wildest dreams, think, think that the whole uh, Wade versus Roe would have been overturned, and we have that. There's any number of things that can be overturned, and that's why it is important for to vote. Andrea, what would you say to the person who goes, you know what, uh, yeah, I'm 18, yeah, I, I registered to vote, but uh, it's just, I don't have the time for it, or or what does one vote matter? Does does every vote matter? Absolutely, every single vote matters. But I understand why some people think that they feel like you know I'm just one person. What can I do? And the way you have you make your voice heard, the way you let your elected officials know what you want and what's important to you is by going to the ballot box. The reason political campaigns spend as much money they, as they do to either to influence your vote or unfortunately keep people in office that discourage people to vote, the reason they spend so much money on that is because the votes really matter. Sometimes, uh, I would think especially in kind of the more down ballot races, one single vote can make a difference. There was a recent story that um, one candidate didn't vote for themselves because they didn't think it, they thought it was strange to vote for themselves or somehow like selfish to vote for themselves. And they ended up losing by a vote that they could have easily cast for themselves. So as oh, every wow. single vote, I know, I mean, what a, what a comedy of errors for that to happen. But I, it, I can't stress enough how important absolutely every single vote is, especially in young people. So just to give you a little bit of demographics in Texas, Harris County and Houston are both about 45% Latino, but the turnout of Latino voters, they, Hispanics typically only make up around 20% of the people who vote. Your average voter in Houston is over 60 years old, white, and typically conservative. So, but, but those demographics are changing as far as, you know, the people who are eligible to vote and the people who turn out to vote. Um, Hispanic, oh, and overall in Texas, uh, Hispanics make up about 40% of the population. I even pulled some numbers on voters in or eligible voters in Houston, Hispanics have very recently become the second largest group of eligible voters at 31%. And that's only 2% behind white eligible voters now. Okay. So the power that Latinos have to make these decisions in their city, their county, their state, and in their federal elections is growing. Um, well, it, it is really, growing and, it's, and, it, and, and the power is already there. I mean, like you yes. said, in the state of Texas, with the with the Latino population in the state of Texas being over 40 percent, uh, we are the largest uh, population group in the state. Non-Hispanic whites yes. are like 39 point something. And, of course, Latinos always get undercounted. And then you have African-American, you have Asians, you have others, where the African-American population is plateaued off in this country and is going to remain about 12, 13 percent of the population, where Latinos right now are about 16 percent of the overall national population is going to continue to grow until we are about 25, 30% of the population. But in Texas, 40% and the largest uh, demographic group, yet 
the elected officials do not necessarily reflect the Latino community. Therefore, as you said, we're not voting. We're not voting. And, and there's no reason we shouldn't because we have the financial wherewithal. We have the, we have the, the people uh, that are eligible. In fact, the last time I looked at a statistic, and this is, this is old, and I'm sure the numbers went up, but we have about 1 million young Latinos turning 18 years of age every year. A million. And a million votes can, that can change a presidential election. That can change a national election. That can make all kinds of changes. And I do realize, Andre, and I want to get your opinion on this, that a lot of folks, I don't want to say most, I don't want to say it's complacency. It's just that they're not taught to vote at an early age, or maybe their parents didn't vote, or maybe their parents came from uh, another country where voting is not something they did because the 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 country was so corrupt they they didn't trust the vote didn't trust the government Hitler's days I don't trust our government but it is our government and we do have a democracy and a legitimate form of voting I feel secure about our voting process that it is safe you're always going to get attempted fraud always going to get something but I think for the most part we have the best country in the world and probably one of the best voting systems in the world so why are people and do you know of any reasons why especially Latinos are still hesitant to go out to the polls and vote. So I think the main reason that people don't vote when they potentially could is either actually being disenfranchised or at least feeling that they're being disenfranchised. So there are a lot of efforts, unfortunately, in Texas that, you know, discourage people to vote or make it harder for people to vote, you know, needing to have uh, a, a valid picture ID that's often a barrier, a, a very real barrier to keeping people from voting and being registered to vote. But then just kind of the general feeling of, oh, well, I don't, I don't know enough information to be able to vote, or I don't know where I'm supposed to go vote. How, I don't know what all's on the ballot. You know, the, that feeling that, you know, you don't have enough or you're not going to go and be a quote unquote good voter often prevents people from, you know, just, it demotivates people from actually going and voting. But the information that these people are looking for is so easy to find, it's easier to find than ever. The League of Women Voters puts out a voter guide every election where you can read information on each candidate, even in the down ballot races. And being able to find that information from them, or if there's a, you know, a political group that you identify with that you believe, you know, does a, you know a lot of research and vetting and looking into these candidates and maybe puts out an endorsement slate. Those are easier to find. You can find them, you know, all over the internet. There's various groups that put out information on the upcoming elections, and sometimes put out like, hey, we you know talk to these these candidates and you know this is what we found and this is what we've discussed with them and we think this candidate's good. You can find that information out easier than ever, and you can find your voting locations, and a, you can even download your sample ballots. So, for instance, in Harris County, I think I've already mentioned HarrisVotes.com. Uh, you can go there, pull your sample ballot, look up all these people, you know, get that along with your League of Women Voters Guide and cross-reference. Say, hey, I, I really like this candidate. This candidate sounds like they have good ideas. They want our government to look like I want the, our government to look they're going to do things that I agree with. I'm going to vote for them. Or you read something on a candidate. You're like, yeah, I don't really like them so much. I'm, I'm going to vote for another person. Yeah. So well, it's easy to become a, an informed voter. Informed. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's a good point. And it's, I find it interesting. And, and I'll just 
for argument's sake, call it like an imposter syndrome. People going, I'm not qualified to vote. Guys, that's not the case. I mean, I see it every day. Any U.S. citizen that's 18 years old that has not been convicted of felony can vote. Any idiot can vote. Not saying that the electorate is a bunch of idiots, but anybody can vote. It's just a matter of how do you use that vote? Do you use it wisely? Do you do you study? Do you do you study the issues? Do you listen to the um, the candidates speak? I mean, all the, all this is important in the voting process. But not necess- with today's technology, not necessary. You can watch YouTube videos. You can you can research them. You can find out and just a little bit of digging, and there's a plethora of information out there about the candidates. But as we look at the candidates, we're looking at Super Tuesday coming up. It's going to be the primaries. So just for clarification, it's that that's when you're either voting in a Democratic primary or the, the Republican primary. And that is the, the election of the battle between the candidates of who's going to move on to the general election. So, and, and Andrea, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the lawyer. I'm not. I just pretend to be sometimes. Well, I pretend to be on my own <laughs> podcast. Like I actually know what I'm talking about. But if you, um, you can vote, if you vote in a primary, and let's say there's three people in the primary race, and um, they take the top two. Nobody gets 51%, so you have to go into a runoff. You can only vote in a runoff if you actually voted in that primary of that race. So if you go, if there's a Democratic runoff and you voted in the Republican primary, you cannot vote in the runoff of another party. You have to vote, in, you have to, uh, vote in a runoff of the party you voted in. However, in the general election, you can vote for either side. I mean, you can go up and down the ballot and vote one Republican, one Democrat, one independent. You can write in a name. So when it comes to the general election, you have the you have the freedom to vote however you feel was going to be the 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 best person to vote for. But in the primary, it's a choice that you have to make within the party. That's exactly right. So if you vote in the Democratic primary, in well, at least in Texas, Texas has open primaries, so you can vote in the Democratic primary in in the primary season. And then um, you are, would then not be able to vote in the Republican runoff if there were runoff elections in that primary. But regardless of how you vote in the primary, or even if you don't vote in the primary, though you should, you can always vote in the general election and you can vote for anybody you want to in the general election, How, regardless of how you voted in the primary. That is a clean slate. You can choose you know, whichever candidates you feel are best. And do encourage folks, as you said, it's easier than ever. And can we just talk a little bit about, because a lot of people hear it on the news, you have uh, voter suppression. How would you define voter suppression in this country right now? So there's a lot of ways that voter suppression shows up. Um, Initially, or I, I talked a little bit earlier about voter ID laws. I think that's one form of voter suppression, requiring people to have, you know, a specific type of ID, um, which is not always easy for people to access, to be able to get that type of ID, um, like a passport or a driver's license. Um, Though having those IDs is not the only form of voter suppression that we see. You'll also have people make, physically make voting a little harder. So in Harris County, I believe it was four years ago in 2020, we had a 24 hour and drive through voting. So people could wait in their cars. It was you know kind of during the pandemic. So you didn't necessarily want to stand in line right next to people who were potentially COVID positive. And so people were allowed to vote in their cars. 
I thought it was a great idea. I voted from my car. It was the same machine, just on a cord instead of a stand. Um, but there were uh, a lot of people who thought that that was apparently too easy to let people vote from their cars. So there was then an effort to shut that down. There was even a lawsuit, I believe, to um, to have those drive-through votes not count. And so that's another form of voter suppression that we see. And then I think just giving people general kind of disenfranchisement information like, oh, well, polls close at seven. You can't vote after seven. The truth is, is that if you are in line at 7 p.m., you can vote in that election. Simply because there's a long line, that doesn't mean that you're not going to get to vote. You might have to wait, but you would still get to vote. And other forms of voter suppression I've seen is where they actually will close um, polling places in certain communities or neighborhoods because they don't want to see that community cast as many votes because it could could it could affect the election. Uh, I exactly. Mean, it, it goes back into the early years. They used to have, what, um, a poll tax. I mean, that was a form of voter suppression to make sure that only yeah. people with, with uh, some degree of money or wealth or... Uh, could actually cast a vote. So voter suppression has been going on a long time. It still continues. It's just gotten a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, gerrymandering. Uh, I mean, that's Yo. another thing. Yeah. Every every 10 years after the census, the uh, legislature has to redraw the maps of, of districts. And some people, will, sometimes they try to draw those maps for one side to prevail over another. And okay. and it's, it, it's craziness. So it happens. So it's good that a lot of these things are open. They're subject to review. And of course, there's always the uh, the court system. Unfortunately, it's been used way too much here lately. That there's a court system to try to rule on whether or not these things are available, or whether or not these things are are truly reflective of the electorate, or if they're being gerrymandered or there's voter suppression. Because as everybody wants open and free elections, uh, it to me it seems like well, they're open and free and correct when they go your way. When the vote goes the other way. Mm-hmm. There must have been fraud. There must have been this. I mean, <laughs> the Russians. I mean, something. Come on, guys. Um, and I think what 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 concerns me, Andrea, is that in the future. I mean, not only not in the near future, but even right now, this whole thing with uh, with AI, with artificial intelligence, with deep fake videos, with everything. I mean, it's just scary as hell. I mean, we have all kinds of disinformation coming in. We have all kinds of bots. You know, um, internet bots that are that are trying to influence and, and stir up trouble. So the voter, to me, has to get a little bit more sophisticated and a little bit smarter to distinguish what is being spoon fed to to them by a bot that's disinformation and what's real. So I think more than ever, voters need to take a little bit more time, do a little research on their own, feel comfortable with who they're voting for before they go to the polls, and not just not just depend on the internet because what was that old TV commercial? Well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. No, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. Especially on social media. Well, JR, I'm actually really glad you brought up um, kind of the court system and how it kind of folds into this voting process as well, along with, you know, some of our judges or our judges being Texas being elected. You want voters want to make sure that they're getting and voting for good, smart, thoughtful judges to be on these benches because those judges are going to be making decisions about whether, you know, some votes count or some votes don't count or whether there was, you know, these election shenanigans and whether, you know, 
whether someone was truly, you know, suppressed in their vote or whether, you know, sometimes some places just run out of paper. Yeah. So having good judges on the bench, that's why that that's part of the reason why that's so important. And an example that everybody can relate to, or I hope they can relate to it, is the uh, overturning of the abortion issue. I mean, you went to the Supreme Court, had primarily a conservative uh, court right now, and um, the numbers worked out and it got overturned. I mean, like I said, I would have never thought in a million years that that would have been overturned. I mean, it's, it's like it's pretty much been institutionalized, but it can't happen. And if we do not um, become civically engaged, if we do not become active, and more important, and, and it's, it's not a responsibility, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to vote. And if you're not voting, then in my, in my opinion, you have no room to complain. I mean, don't complain about the system. Don't complain about the politicians. And don't complain about your taxes and everything that you have to deal with if you did not take the time to go out and vote. If you go out and vote, eh, then you have the right to bitch. But till then, you know what? I don't want to hear it if you didn't vote. But as you said, and I think that's a, that's a good analogy to look at, the, the further down the ballot, the closer to your front door. And just take the time to realize how many people are on the ballot and how they affect your everyday life. And I think once you have a better understanding of that, you will see the importance of voting. And when you go out and vote, just don't go by yourself. Take your family members, take your wife. If you have kids or spouses or friends or neighbors, make a, make a, make an issue, make a party of it, do something, but get out to the polls and make sure that you vote and um, vote in every election, vote in every runoff. And for those who are really want to get into it a little bit more, you have your, um, usually after an election, you have your little precinct meetings that they get together and every everybody's organized into a precinct, and you can uh, you can start getting your voice heard even more at those at those meetings and and up the ladder. And everyone also has that at least one friend who's really engaged, who's involved, who's paying attention, who's going to probably going to meetings and events. Ask that friend if you trust that friend. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a friend that you trust, who you you know tend to agree with. Ask that friend, who are you voting for? Who do you like? Why do you like this person? That's a heck of a lot more reliable than, you know, who knows what you can find on the internet. There are some very reputable sites. Like I said, I mentioned the League of Women Voters, but there's a lot that if you're skeptical about it, you know, stick with the ones that you know that you can rely on, but ask people who are engaged. Everyone knows someone who's engaged, who's following certain races. You can always use that person as a resource as well. Very true. And go vote with them. Very true. Everybody has a friend that, well, except me. I don't think I have any friends. That's that's why I started a podcast, so I can interview people <laughs> like you and pretend that you're my friend. Um, I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Super Tuesday is coming up on the 5th of, yes. of next month. Make sure that you go out there. And if you are not registered to vote, uh, there's still time to be able to register so you can vote in the general election, correct? Correct. You needed to register to vote. I think it's 30 days before the election itself. And so if you're not already registered or you're not sure whether you're registered or not, you can always check on those websites I mentioned. Um, but in order to be registered for the general election, you have to be registered 30 days beforehand. Okay. And what I'll do in the podcast notes is I'll put links to those places to see if you're registered and where you can possibly go vote. Andrea, thank you very much for taking time out of your uh, your schedule to uh, to join us today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is J.R. Gonzalez. You have been listening to the Latino Business Report. And uh, good luck on your, on your candidacy, but also a little disclaimer. 
that you being on the show, you're here for informational purposes, and this is not an endorsement of your candidacy. Um, however, that's the official show, uh, show position. And if I lived in Harris County, so I don't live in Harris County, so I can't <laughs> even vote for you. I'm sorry. I'm down in, and I'm down in Travis County in Austin. But uh, you've been listening to Latino Business Report. Uh, you can find uh, all of our episodes at latinobusinessreport.com. I encourage you to go over there. We also have a place where you can sign up for our newsletter. We also have a, um, a uh, Facebook page, and we have an Instagram page. And you can find all our episodes also on um, YouTube. Folks, till next time, stay safe. And remember, Super Tuesday is coming out. And go out and vote. And we'll see you next time.